excited to have G Danoa on as a guest on our podcast today. G is an author and poet. She published Forgiven, Forgotten So, which is a collection of poems exploring the issues of domestic violence. G has been writing poetry since she was 11 years old and was a very creative as a child uh, through her words. And uh, this passion for poetry evolved throughout her life and proved essential during a time in which she needed an expressive outlet as she was experiencing abuse in her relationship. Um, and I can totally imagine how this outlet uh, was extremely healing for you afterwards, but um, I'm sure we'll get into that and talk a little bit more about that. But um, I can't wait to get into your story. Uh, but for those of you that are listening, if you enjoy G's story, please go and purchase her book, uh, Forgiven, Forgotten. So uh, it's on Amazon. We'll include the, the link in the description um, of this episode too. But um, to get us started, we're just going to jump right into it. So uh, how did you first meet your abusive ex-partner and what attracted you to them in the beginning? Yeah, well, firstly, hi, Hannah, and thank hi, you yeah. so much for having me on. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, what attracted me? So let's start. I was 19 years old. So let's just say I didn't have much experience in, in what you would call relationships. Um, so I was 19, year old, 19 years old. I was on holiday in the Caribbean. So I was, you know, the whole sun, sea, you're, you're kind of having a great time. Um, and then I, um, and and as a lady, you end up getting a lot of attention just from men in general in the Caribbean, just because they're very friendly and, you know, so forth. But actually, um, my ex-partner was actually probably to what I thought at that time was probably the most respectable um, approached me with as a, as a gentleman. So um, and as as the, our friend circle was the same. So we got invited for dinner and so forth. So very charming, I think, is the right term. So it was the charm that attracted me initially. And I thought, oh, yes, that's very nice of somebody to be very, um, you know, very lovely and a bit more old fashioned in the terms of um, approaching a situation. But at that point, I had no idea that it would evolve into anything. So it was literally just the starting point of actually meeting him for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. That is so similar to my relationship as well. I was 19 too. Oh. And, yeah. We were both 19 and, uh, and charming, like charming is, is the word to describe, you know, the initial attraction. Yeah. Because it was, it did seem very respectable. So that's so interesting yeah. that you say that. Yeah, it is, it's crazy. <laughs> I know they like all go from you know they read from textbooks. It's wild to yeah. It, it is crazy. I think at some point in the future, you know, we as people who've experienced should definitely get together and go. You know what? Look out for this. Look out for that. Because you know you just don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. We have a a page on our website called um early red flags and I like I like that page yeah we need to add more to it because there's so much um you know commonalities but um but yeah so many people just like don't know what to look out for because honestly like it it is so deceiving um in those early and I think you and I spoke about this on a previous occasion that each each person's experience is different so it's so hard to generalize you just can't generalize but you know just as you said on your website you've got the red flags and you'll you'll add to them as more experienced you know people that come survivors come to you and they will share their stories and you'll be like oh that's a bit different to what we've ex known before so it's it's so unfortunate that it's an evolving situation because we actually want to remove it. We want to eradicate domestic violence. But unfortunately, we're talking about how else are we going to add to this story when we actually want to close the book? We don't really want to continue this, but some, yeah. yeah. And it evolves just like what you're saying. It makes me think about like, uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we'll get back to your story, but, but, uh, <laughs> but like, it makes me think about how, you know, as a society we evolve and it's, and it, and, you know, domestic violence has been around for ages and ages and ages and it evolves like with cyber, cyber abuse, you know, that, mm -hmm. that was something that, um, you know, has come out of, and it's terrible how, it isolates survivors even more and and it and 
abusive people always find a way it seems to you know use the the next thing um to further control and anyways yeah. <laughs> um anyways next question is <laughs> when did the abuse begin and what kind of abuse did you experience how did it develop over time yes I think it's an interesting one because only when I removed myself from the situation, I really started understanding what I was experiencing at what time. But I think that's all been reflective. When you're actually in it, you never realize that the mental abuse starts way before the physical abuse. That was my experience. So when I look at the, as we've mentioned, the control, what I was confusing love with control and holding on to me um, more as a possession as opposed to a, a partner, um, that all started very early actually because that started um you know and it, and it probably was a form of jealousy that then started evolving into a different form so um the actual physical so i would say the mental abuse probably started <laughs> who knows from day one <laughs> yeah right from the chart. <laughs> <laughs> um but the actual physical abuse actually it was a unusual situation because I th I don't know, recall if I, I think I did mention this previously but it um so my ex-partner actually developed mental health issues mm -hmm. so I actually went to live so it was a long distance on and off relation as in like long distance you know live together don't live together kind of but we were still together for nine years um and then I um he wasn't very well so I, I went there as his partner to go and support him um and then it's almost like the tables turned on me so I kind of got myself in a bit of a threat situation um and then the first ever time uh vi I, I experienced violence was um what I refer to as a ninja whack so it was a massive massive ninja whack on my back and it just all of the violence I experienced with him always used to come out of the blue so you could never you could never quite understand that you know of course there are times where as survivors we blame ourselves did I do something wrong and so forth but on on many occasions there was nothing wrong we could actually be having quite a normal conversation and all of a sudden the violence just so it was a very dangerous time for me to be around him and um yeah so I think it first started when I actually uprooted myself and went to live there permanently that was the actual decision go and live there permanently support him you know your your, your long-term partners he needs you be there for him and I think then it just changed so that actually happened that first whack happened four days after my arrival mm. like it was just so and it also showed me the seriousness of the situation of mental health and domestic violence all in one it was just it was it was a massive kind of um growing up kind of you know quickly trying to assess your situation but you know I'm sure as we speak more it kind of realizes it's not as easy to say to someone just up and leave because it was in quite a yeah and because you like uprooted your you went to oh. Yeah, permanently. So, like, you know, yeah. I'm sure that he. It's interesting that that's when the physical abuse starts because he was even in more control of of your living situation. And you, yeah. right? You, anyways. Yeah, that it's it's so interesting how our our stories are so parallel because, um, because like everything that you were saying, the the mental abuse starting very early. Um, my physical abuse didn't start until, well, I mean, there was physical things happening, but as far as like, um, uh, really pushing me, um, mm -hmm. that was, that was how it started really was he would push me right, um, and often like push me onto soft things. So like push me onto the bed, onto the couch, you know? <laughs> and so I wasn't getting hurt. It was like, but right. obviously very, um, uh, you know, it's, even if you're not getting hurt, that's physical abuse. Um, no one oh, should put your hands on you. It's the, it's the thought behind what his thought, what his kind of um, motive was, right? So his motive was to push you to unbalance you. So that shows you he doesn't want you to be your own person. That's the way I kind of look into that. Mm. So, yeah, that's the way I kind of see that when someone respects and loves you, 
they want you to be solid as a person. Yeah. They want to know how they can embrace you and how they can support you to grow and love you. But I think when when these you know these people who because we know both male and women abuse partners you know that there's no secret that it just happens by men or it just happens by women I know many people on different you know ends of the spectrum and also we spoke about also um same-sex relationships you know um so there no one is um excluded when it comes to domestic violence but the the motive behind hurting someone is always usually quite similar you know you're, you're trying to make the other person not feel you're trying to break their esteem that's the way I've seen it you're trying to break their esteem in in a selfish way to make yourself feel better make yeah. yourself feel more superior um it's just uh yeah I think those kind of commonalities I've definitely kind of understood from other stories that I've heard yeah yeah it's all about power and control mm -hmm. they have to be in control they have to be dominant um yeah. yeah yeah but yeah there was something else that you said that was interesting um and now I'm forgetting it <laughs> so I was like, oh that's so similar to me too um and it's totally escaping me now I'm sure it'll come back <laughs> but um but yeah I uh there's there's so much and you you did uh you know tell me a little bit of your story um beforehand uh, you know, when we met last. And so, um, so I, I would love uh, the listeners to know, obviously you have an accent, so they're probably one. And you went to the Caribbean, but where do you, <laughs> where do you live now? And what were you, where, where were you going back and forth from when, cause he was still in the Caribbean, right? Right. Caribbean, so I, Caribbean. So I'm from London um and uh yes I was going back and forth to the Caribbean um I um as I said I was 19 um and you know on on reflection I realized that I had never really had healthy relationships as role models mm -hmm. and and I was thinking about this since we last spoke I don't really see enough and even to this day enough healthy relationships shown on tv drama is drama so we're going to see that drama we're going to see that gossip we're going to see that maliciousness within a relationship and we want to watch it we want to know what happened next mm. but at what point do you then realize that actually you yourself need to select a good partner yeah. you yourself need to select a partner that respects you loves you and and wishes the best for you with or without them and I think that's the most important thing I think when you're with a partner and I think that's the things I didn't understand when I was 19 and growing up. So I'd been with him at that point for nine years. There was a lot of growth, but the wrong type of growth. Mm -hmm. So I was just learning what controlling type of love was in that relationship. And it was crazy because I could be in London when I, there could be a period where I wouldn't go and stay with him. Mm -hmm. And I could see my friends could see it. There was control over the phone of ruining my mood. There was control of making me feel guilty of going to have a socializing. There's 5,000 miles between us. Yeah. Yet I allowed this level of control to continue. And I can only think that, you know, it was me that got caught up in this situation. And that's the way I look at it at this moment, because I wasn't of... I wasn't strong enough because my esteem was getting broken. And it's almost like um, that I thought, and I've written a poem about it, it's called Unhealthy Addiction. So it became an unhealthy addiction where I would want better for myself, but yet I was here back on what I was used to, back on the bad treatment that I was used to, and I was going back to it. And this is something we, we spoke about last time. At every point I had control because I didn't have to ever jump on a plane again. Mm -hmm. And the only time I never jumped on a plane again and I have never been back to the Caribbean was the time when he tried to kill me. So that was the time where I thought, hang on a minute, this is really serious right now. How many more chances are you giving him mm -hmm. to destroy you? Because that's that was the reality of my situation. How many more times are you going to forgive um to forgive to forget <laughs> how many more how many more chances are you gonna give you know um and then it so um you know I'm here to be transparent and open and I'm gonna and it's something I spoke to you yourself about 
it's not easy and we make decisions that sometimes we say why the hell did I do that so sharing with the listeners I came back he tried to kill me I came back and I realized I was pregnant Mm. and and I was thinking oh something we've wanted for x number of years and it's never happened and here you go but had I not I had not thought at that time actually he was trying to destroy me and a baby's life had not thought that because that's the reality of if he had finished me at that point and then I gave him being the person I am I thought right get him to London get him some medical care because that's what I was trying to do from overseas get him some medical attention for his mental health problems um get him here more than happy to live separate lives but at least my our child could have a relationship with and he could help me hello how naive was I (laughs) what was I thinking Um, and the truth of the matter is he did come here um it and it's not easy to bring someone from the Caribbean over to the UK so it's hard work with visa applications and so forth and you know some listeners might realize I was the sole provider in the relationship so I, I did everything. I remember being, I don't know, maybe seven or eight months pregnant, carrying the heavy box to DHL with all the evidence of pictures and so forth and needing to go to the toilet. I was like, I need the toilet. Where can I go? Where can you let this pregnant woman go to the toilet? And then I remember the, the DHL said, oh, sorry, it's not working. And I was like, what? I've traveled all this way and it's not working because I remember going to my local one. It wasn't working. Then I went to the other. It was a sign, guys. It was a sign, <laughs> which I didn't take. But um, <laughs> but I um, so he came. I collected him from the airport. Um, and at this time, um, our child was three months old. Um, and I um, I just knew immediately I'd made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I just knew it. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh can you put him on a flight back like oh. <laughs> like I just knew and it's a silly thing but it's almost like at that point at the airport all the what ifs disappeared mm-hmm. you know when you always live on a what if it worked out mm-hmm. so I was like okay just just go with this go with this and um within one week I realized what a danger he was and that's the truth I realized within one week how unstable he was Um, And I recall he laughed in my face and he said, do you think I came here to work? I'm absolutely, I'm not working. So he laughed in my face and said that. And then he also said, do you think I'm really going to come here and see a doctor? I thought, okay. So I had to bite my tongue because I thought he's here right now, you know, got to be careful about this. And um, I was dealing with this all by myself. I hadn't told my family or anyone of what was going on. So even at this stage where as as pregnant had a baby they still had no clue about the domestic violence they probably thought oh great he's gonna come be a dad (laughs) yeah right um and then yeah and then literally as I mentioned before the the last time I ever saw him and kind of you know you kind of get a feeling of someone they're boiling up there's something not quite right something's going on in them and then um by the time um the night time came um I could just another episode was happening where I was in danger um, and I thought, no, no, this is not going to happen. And I guess probably, you know, mummy instincts came in. I've got a baby to fend for. So, yeah, I recall texting my brother under the duvet. um, You know, here's my address. Please call the police. I need you to just call the police. My brother is a sweetheart. He did not ask any questions. He knew that that's not something I would ever text. So he he immediately, the police came, you know, and I want to stand up for the police in the UK because they get a bad name. And I want to say they were absolutely amazing on the night that I needed them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't thank them enough for what they did for me. Um, they came, they turned their sirens off out of respect to not alarm the situation, to not put me into danger. It was, and they came silently. Um, it was it was really done professionally, how I got the support I needed at that kind of emergency point. 
Um, and then, of course, and I'm sure this happens in the US as well, that when a baby's involved, then unfortunately social services get involved. So I don't know if we call them the welfare or some kind of, you know, so obviously I had that now on my hands as well for having an abusive partner. They had to now check me, had to check him. So just so what the police actually did was uh, they removed him from the situation, said you need to find other accommodation. They actually said to him. Um, well, if he ever listens to this, he'll know, but it was actually an exclusion for only 24 hours or 48 hours maximum. But I told him because of I had made that decision, there was no more chances now. I told I told him he was never allowed to come back here again. And that was it. Do not come near the property. Um, so I almost kind of treated it like more of a restraining order uh, when it wasn't. But it, it kind of and um, yeah, so it kind of. So that's how it kind of <laughs> I said it all came to a head that night <laughs> it, it did indeed and I think it was almost like wake up as well you know I think if if the first wake up I mean this is what I'd like to share with the listeners I mean I personally wish on on retrospective I wish I listened to the first wake up the first wake up is probably and it doesn't have to be the first physical physical like being on the end of receiving uh you know physical abuse the more wiser the more awareness the more we understand what mental abuse is it took for me and I think for yourself too it was the starting point of what was yet to come and I think as my domestic violence incidents they got worse and worse and worse and that's how unfortunately they kind of grew and they they weren't happening like obviously every day but when we were together as I mentioned you know one incident um I think the one where he tried to really finish me off was we was waiting for a fridge delivery like and then it was fine we were sitting in the front yard waiting for the fridge delivery I went in to grab something in the room and all of a sudden all I know I'm on the bed with a what's the other thing called uh like a um a statue like a really heavy statue to ready to kind of like beat against my head and my life was just flashing before me like you know how do you calm this person down not to give those blows to your head that are just about to happen um and yeah that's kind of the one of this I mean how can I even say that was one of the serious ones because every single one was serious yeah. this this is what I want the listeners to know you know yeah I mean I've written a poem called next time you know next time I'll do it next time I'll, I'll walk out next time I, I won't forgive him again but that next time a lot of us giving them a lot of time for that for that that move that we make to move on yeah yeah you know there's so much in your story that I identify I finally remembered what I what I was thinking of earlier when you had said you didn't really realize um the extent of the abuse that you were experiencing until you were removed mm -hmm. and that's exactly how it was for me as well when you're in it and I think it's important for people to understand that like when you're in it it is it's not abusive 100% of the time it you might have a, an abusive episode a very big argument like once a week or once every other week or once a month you know and and in between those big blow-ups there's there's honeymoon stages and there's there's ha there's things that keep you um wanting to be in the relationship and wanting to believe that the other person can change and, um, and at least that was my experience. Um, and, um, and yeah, the, the building up over time that, that I, I call it a spiral. That's what I learned actually in, in the domestic violence advocacy training that I took. Um, they talk about the, the, you know, um, the cycle of abuse and, mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, the building up stage, you know, how you, you knew it was going to happen. And that the, the walking on eggshells, I, I totally identify with that. And remember there being times where I kept my mouth shut because I knew anything that came out of my mouth would, mm -hmm. would spark that, that blow up. And, um, 
and, but they, you know, in the, in the trainings, they talked about how, um, it's a, it's a cycle of abuse, but it, it uh, is, is often a, a spiral where it just keeps getting, um, right. worse and worse and worse yeah. over time. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, thank goodness you were able to text your brother and, mm-hmm. um, and that he was responsive and, and that the police, you know, um, did, uh, everything right for you. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that there's, there's so oftentimes so, so many people in society, um, you know, police force included are, are uneducated. Um, you know, I, I wasn't educated until I was, you know, leaving the abusive relationship. Um, and so, um, you know, everyone needs to do their part in, in educating others in their community. But, um, but I mean, how wonderful for, um, for, uh, people in, in, you know, positions of, um, power and safety to actually be educated and, um, and, and treat the situation in the correct way. Like, um, uh, I, I, you know, would have never thought of the sirens, you know, uh, not like having them silent so that nothing's tipped off. Like that's, that's incredible. Um, so, yeah. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Because if those, if those sirens were on, I probably wouldn't have made it to the door. Um, so, you know, and those sirens being on, I saw them, like the blue was still there. So I was like, right, buzz without the buzzer being buzzed kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So these little things. Um, and yeah, I, I was in an intimate flat. So it's, it's hard to know how to tiptoe. And I, I remember saying to you when we spoke that in that week, I was already planning my my escape route. So mm-hmm. I already knew something was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I remember saying to you, like, okay, can I jump from the first floor? Can I make <laughs> yeah. it happen? Can I? And that's that's mm-hmm. that's the sadness of of sitting there with someone that you once trusted and once loved. You know that it's just not working, and it's become this kind of unloving, unhealthy relationship. And I want to pick up on something that you said, and it was it's the hope that the relationship has hope. Mm-hmm. And I want to turn that around and say, but what about the hope that we deserve of having a loving, healthy relationship? Because that's where I'm at now. It's like, why do we lose ourselves into an unhealthy relationship? And that's my biggest concern for the future as well. And this is why I think the media and so many, and people like you know, us who have taken our learnings, our experiences, our unfortunate circumstances and trying to educate others and trying to support others with with raising awareness. But I think the next step of raising the awareness is how can we make sure people know what a healthy relationship is because only then are we going to eradicate and get those people, which is optimistic, get those people who are not behaving in the right way to actually do something about it. Because otherwise, someone else is going to be the next victim of that person. So I think the raising of the awareness, making sure there's more positive things to be seeing, you know, some yeah, something my sister and I talk about is having a positive TV channel. Like we're, we're on it, where we're trying to figure out how can we make this happen? How can we make positive news come on? Because we're very much consumed and 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 filtered to what we meant to see on the TV. And it's just, um, and I, and I, and I just don't want that to be our future generations because one thing I'm very, very keen on is really, really want to see these numbers come down. I really, really want to know that, you know, my daughter is not an experiencer of domestic violence or her daughter or son is not an experiencer of domestic violence. That's where we want to go. So this is kind of, and I think you and I have spoken about this, collaborating, becoming united together. And exactly as we're doing now, we're talking about our collective learnings, which could then populate further things that could, you know, help others. And and it's the, and it's the sharing of that that I think is going to make a difference. And of course, there's, you know, you and I spoke about law that's outdated, mm. but from outdated law, you can't beat the education of people. And this is what I love about Speak Your Truth today of what you guys are doing. And, you know, and also what I really admire and it's stuck with me, Hannah, is 
you supporting ladies and gentlemen who are actually stuck in the gray area saying am I or am I not in an abusive relationship and that is so important because a lot of the support is in the aftercare period and I actually went through through my domestic violence I came out of it I healed all by myself but I'm sure my journey would have been much smoother had I reached out for some support but I didn't I I did it myself but maybe that was what I needed to do Um, and as you know the writing of the book of the poetry book to cover domestic violence and mental abuse was because I couldn't find anything out there. Mm. I wanted some literature to, to connect with. I wanted something to, I wouldn't even say to confirm what I was going through, but I think it's important to be, have some kind of identifiable material to say, ah, I'm not alone in this, that this actually is what somebody's experienced. And, and, and now I need to do something about it. And it's, you know, with the likes of no more here in the UK and internationally and with yourself speak your truth today it's really you know my heart is just so warm with what what you ladies are doing and 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 I then I feel honored that I get the opportunity to share my story in the hope of inspiring someone to make that decision of respecting and loving themselves more than an unhealthy relationship so that's the most important thing that I want I want people to get out of unhealthy relationships because it just I want people to feel empowered that they deserve more and I think that's the most important thing to me yeah 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 no I I love that I I mean the whole point of my original post um that I put out there was educating people I mean Yes, educate. I was educating people on what unhealthy looks actually looks like in in a relationship. But um, but man, like you talking about the media and I I I talked about how I've talked about before how um, you know all of the even the the children's shows are um, you know especially I I think they're they are improving a little bit. Um, over the last couple years, but, um, but when I was growing up, I mean, all of the movies were about finding your prince and, Mm -hmm. you know, living happily ever after and basically getting rid of yourself, like, um, you know, dropping everything that, uh, you are and what makes you happy in order to be, um, you know, I think of like, yeah, yeah. You're like, he's my prince charming. I'm going to live in the castle. I'm going to lose my identity and I'm going to be living under this umbrella. I'm going to live happily ever after. Ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) what are we making our children watch? Yeah. It's just (laughs) crazy. But, but even into adulthood and, or, you know, into, into, uh, middle school and high school, um, you know, when you're watching TV shows, they don't show how you resolve conflict in a healthy way. They, mm-hmm. they, sh- they uh, romanticize jealousy and right. they, they romanticize all these really, really toxic things in relationships and make it seem like it's normal. And my, mm-hmm. my slogan is that's not normal. You know, it's just, that's <laughs> not normal. And, uh, and it shouldn't be normal. And, uh, and now being in a, in a, a, such a healthy relationship, it's just like, wow, we have a lot, a long way to go. still. I think we've made strides, you know, um, with, with the me too movement and, and the women empowerment movement, but, um, but man, we have a long way to go to tackle, um, you know, the realities that men are facing violence at essentially same rates, you know, just with dramatically decreased, uh, or less resources, you know, um, and, um, and man, we, yeah, it's just like, it, I, I do have hope, but, um, but it is just, uh, overwhelming sometimes like the, um, the amount out there that is experiencing, um, you know, what you and I have both experienced and how do we, um, you know, as collectively as a society as a whole, um, make it better for the next generation, you know? So I personally think we educate them young. 
Yeah. I think we need to go into the schools. Mm-hmm. We underestimate that these kids are, are experiencing violence in their home yeah. and we're not addressing the situation and we're letting them grow up to adulthood and wonder why they're repeating the pattern that they may have seen in their homes. Um, and I've had a recent situation where I witnessed it myself. There's a bit of a, um, how would you say it? The mum hurts the boy. And I didn't realize the dad hurts the mum. So, oh. and then, and when I knew the dad wasn't home, I went and approached the mum. Mm. And I obviously didn't address her for what I know, but I just said to her, I'm here for you. Mm. I said, I know what's happening and I'm here for you. And I just told her she deserves better. I remember going to her door and just putting my arms out to give her a hug. And she was like, who the hell is this? And I was like, <laughs> And I just and I just looked at her and I said, I know exactly what you've just been through because I actually, sadly, I was around when I could hear it. So I was like around in the area and I was like, OK, um, yeah. And I think she was taken aback by someone being kind to her. And but this is what it is. And this is what you and I know. It's about showing that love and compassion to survivors and just letting them know that we're here letting them know that when they're ready because that's the most important thing you and I probably weren't ready hence why we experience so many more situations of physical and mental abuse but and I looked at that lady and I said to her you'll know when you're ready and and I left it at that my door's open and the truth is I used to lock my door twice and I only lock it once because if she ever lock, knocks on my door and she needs to come in, that door will be open for her. So, yeah, I, it's just, you just know from your heart, you just know what other people are going through. And this is why, you know, this is why we're here to support, love and embrace them to just know that it will be okay because you and I are examples of it's okay. We came through the other end. And like you said, Hannah, we're still working on things. You know, we're not saying life's going to be magical and the, and the prince is coming because um, I haven't met my prince and it's been X number of years, you know. It's like, it's like oh, cool, he's not here yet. Um, but if I'm honest, I'm not after a prince either. You know, that's not that. And that's that's what we need to get people to realise. You're not after a princess. You're not after a prince. You're after respectable people who understand you, who love you, who want to see you flourish and support you. And I think personally for me, I, I will know when I've met the right person when they say to me, gee, how can I help you grow? What is it you need me to help you grow? Because in the past, I've always been the sole provider. I've always been the one, you know, probably more what people would call the the dominant masculine role, you know, what you would expect a man to do. That's been my role in probably most relationships. (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's it's time to just be um, on on a fair, nice level, partnership level. It's a partnership I'm looking for. And that's what, I think that's what more of us need to tell uh young boys and girls it's a partnership you're looking for a partner you're not looking for someone to take that control over you and say oh but I bring this to the table and I bring this to the table no do it together and and see that grow nicely yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) okay I'll get to another one of these questions because I think we've (laughs) jumped ahead a little bit (laughs) we've talked about your tipping point and when decided to uh to break off the relationship um how was the process after that um that tipping point um and uh the process you know was there anything confusing because you you like myself you know once you were done you were done it seems like um and so how how was the process of because were you guys you guys were married right so the process of divorce and um and custody and all of that how how did that go for you so this is where I'm really grateful because um I withdrew my sponsorship Mm. I was like hell no you're not you're not staying here I'm sorry so I withdrew my sponsorship but they were none the wiser and then they went on a a family holiday to Africa like with the auntie and uncle so they kind of went on like a it was probably a planned trip and they he went along with them and then on his return 
his um his kind of card thing flashed because I didn't know he was overseas so I must have withdrew the sponsorship and then by the time we try to re-enter the country so everything happens for a reason karma does exist in a nice way so he came back with a family and um yeah so it said he had no right to stay in the UK so they they immediately kind of put him in a separate area um and you know without going into too much because that's their story but the uncle and aunt also had issues with him while they were out there I believe also to do with behavior um so I believe they decided not to support that situation because why should they because you know rightly so I I invited him to be my partner in the UK they didn't so that's not fair on them so obviously they let it be what the situation was um he got deported back to the Caribbean and um yeah so in that essence he actually luckily I didn't have to face him coming on my door again so you know that way I was very lucky because I know many more people are experiencing this kind of stalker behavior you know harassment I was lucky enough that that didn't happen for me um I my separation period and divorce goodness me that only came through this year and yes seven years of separation and then because he refused to sign the documents he would not sign documents then I got to a point I self-represented myself, wrote my case notes and, and submitted it to the judge. And I think it was July, July this year, I was officially divorced. Yeah. And I don't even know if he knows. Like, <laughs> it's like I don't even know if he knows. Like, um, I'm sure they might have served him something, but he was pretending, playing the game. He never got the divorce papers. Like, no, you got them. I, I know you got them. Um, so. So that part was actually, I mean, I was lucky the day he walked out of our lives was the greatest day because he never kind of physically re-entered again. There was no seeing him again. And and actually, I want to be honest about something. So also the divorce took that long for a certain period because every time I would pick up writing about it or having to deal with it, I would get nightmares. So there was something about it that was stopping me because of what dreams or where it was taking me back. So it kind of got, it stayed there for a while. And then it was like, you have to deal with this G. <laughs> and it was December last year, 2021. It was in limbo period, not signing, not signing, not signing. And I looked at my sister, I said, right, this is not going into year 2022 goals. This is going to be 2021. I tackled it in December, literally in two days. I wrote the case case up, I got the evidence together. My sister's a sweetheart. We wrote all the evidence numbers. This is evidence one, two, three, whatever, up to 26 or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was like, poor judge. He's probably thinking, oh, goodness. <laughs> what is this woman on? Um, but but yeah, it was. <laughs> um, well, you've just come up on a year then, because um, uh, well, with this it being December, right? Wait, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a year since you completed all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it actually landed six months later. Yeah, so the divorce happened. Um, and I haven't even had a divorce party yet. Like <laughs> you need to have one of those. I had. Right. One. It was great. Yeah. Thank you. I've yeah. Not had one. Okay. Uh, uh, you should go. Uh, you should honestly get like a little uh a photography shoot. Like uh, do do Ooh, some nice. Yeah, yeah, I did that. I like that. And it was, it was really nice. And now I, I can look back at those. I, I popped some champagne, like in the photo, you know? <laughs> I and, love it. Uh, yeah. But there's one thing I want to do. And obviously the book's related to the past experience and life that I lived. And I said to my sister, I really want to get an exhibition of my poetry. So I really want to put an exhibition. So maybe that's my party, getting that launched pop some champagne and just spread the word of domestic violence I really that's one of my ambitions for or goals for 2023 so I'm looking at galleries I'm looking at who I could kind of collaborate with um so that's something I want to do I think 
poetry of this topic should be more in the public domain and that's what I want to do so um who knows you might be getting it <laughs> yeah let us know because yeah we'll blast that out <laughs> well it's been so wonderful hearing your story and um and it's just so crazy to see all the similarities because I too like left after that after that one uh decision when I left um, I, I had a pre-planned trip to, uh, fly States away and, uh, and then never saw him again, um, went through the, the divorce process and, and it, it, that took about six months. Luckily, um, I, um, I, I kind of jumped headfirst into healing. And so I would love to end on, um, you know, how, how that was for you, because it, you, you do talk about, um, how you did that alone was poetry um throughout that how 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 did your your book come about and and um and because it was it was published somewhat recently right within the last two years yeah um yeah and and so um and now uh what when was your um uh uh your leave date um was that like when you left the relationship oh that would have been 2015 okay got it got it so it's probably five years 20 right exactly so um and this is it's unusual how it happened but it was five years of my long-term relationship was domestic violence and mental abuse as in the one I could really tell and then it was five years of healing and then the book got birthed in the I believe 2020 I think it was during lockdown because we didn't have a launch party for it so oh. even <laughs> it was like it was fine it was like guys it's out there <laughs> and, but the biggest thing was just giving back mm. that was part of my healing process it was a part of giving back it was a part of how can I share my story in the way that I know how to um so from 11 11 years old I was writing poetry as I said you know back of the maths book didn't quite like maths so I was like yeah just write uh, songs so it's actually I've been writing songs and poetry but I've done nothing with the songs because I can't sing because <laughs> <laughs> like anybody want these songs <laughs> um but yeah it was um and gonna be was I writing while I was getting abused in the kind of I guess I kind of was because I, I did sing some songs because um yeah I, I I did sing some songs out in the Caribbean because <laughs> uh, we because I had a studio so there was it was like it was silly not to like use the studio for what it was there um but the book actually came in a reflective stage the book came in a retrospective stage when I really understood what I went through what other people have gone through when after I started talking about it that's when I could collectively feel ready to write this kind of compilation of poetry um, and as mentioned before all the stories in there all the poetry in there I should say um are not from my own experience you know probably 90% of it is but then there's the other part where I wanted it to be inclusive I wanted to kind of I want it to touch people that it needs to touch because as we said each each person's experience is different um so yeah yeah wonderful well um gosh I'm gonna go read your book now (laughs) I just love poetry I have I've had different friends I've never written poetry myself but um but what a beautiful way to um to heal and express what you and then connect to others in in a similar lived experience you know so um but um but let's end on what it's the one thing that you would love um, survivors listening to to hear. I think the biggest thing I would say is don't forget yourself. Mm. Just don't forget yourself in a relationship. Don't forget yourself in in life because I think we underestimate just how important we are before we can then be there for other people. So I think. Um, whether that's a partner parent whichever way whether you're a survivor you know what we're talking about 
because you know that you need to put yourself first. And if you're in the gray area and you're uncertain of what's going on, then take that moment to actually go and figure it out as well. Go on that walk, go and take that notepad with you and scribble down. If it doesn't make sense, it's okay because one day it will make sense. One day you will understand what you're aspiring for, looking for, wanting, and what's missing in what you're currently in. Um, yeah, so I think my my biggest thing I'd want any survival, someone who's uncertain of their situation, think about you because we don't do it often enough. We think about everyone else. We'll think about a partner. We'll think about someone else's situation. We'll go and compare ourselves to someone else. But let's just think about ourselves and only ourselves in isolation. And only then can you um, start understanding yourself. And only from that understanding yourself does strength come to to help you grow to the next stage in life yeah oh that's so beautiful thank you so much I I love that you talk about that because I think that um you know so often we want to and and um you know beneficially so we we want to let survivors know that they're not alone that we are here um you know and and are available um and, and they're so much stronger than they think you know um which they are but when you're in it you don't feel strong at all and you and i and i i love i just love watching in our support group um the the men and women that come and um and are in exactly those stages that you're talking about the gray area where they don't know you know, left, right, up, down, basically, um, they're, they're in a fog. And, um, and I, and I would say for those listening, you know, um, you, if you don't feel confident in yourself or, um, are know, um, you know, who you are and, and what you want to aspire to be your goals in life. And if you feel, um, you know, uh, trapped, in in that and then you you might not be in a relationship that's building you up you know mm-hmm. and and encouraging you and um and encouraging you to to be who you are you know um uh, yeah i just like i love watching in the group um you know as because we get a, to journey with these people for mm-hmm. years now you know we've journeyed right. with some for over three years, we're coming up on four years now of, of our support group. And, um, and it's incredible to watch the language change, um, you know, the confidence change, um, the, the, that so many people will f- post before and after photos mm-hmm. of, um, you know, when they were going through it and, and now they're a year, two years out and they can see it in their eyes, you know? And so anyways, I just, um, I want to give hope to all the people out there that, um, that you, you will find your, your confidence again, you will find yourself again, but you can't do that in an unhealthy relationship. You'll just Mm -hmm. continue to, um, be put down. So, um, well, thank you so much G for joining us. (laughs) It was a pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure to learn more of your story and um and everyone go go buy her book. So oh, thank <laughs> you. Yes, I, I know I will be. So 